You might be familiar with that famous Ben Franklin quote, tell me and I forget, teach me and I remember, involve me and I learn. Well, today we're going to explore how we can realign our professional development practices to that concept through the lens of the adult learner. How can we take the age-old concept of involving learners in their journey and update it to revolutionize how adult learning can look in a post-pandemic world? That's all coming up. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Grounded Learners Guild, the podcast that gets real about education, authentic leadership, and the transcendent power of being a part of a highly functioning team. Here are your hosts, Casey Beach, Emily Copeland, and Jenny Labrie. Hey, y'all. Welcome to this week's meeting of the Grounded Learners Guild. Uh, This week, our episode is entitled Firehose PD, and we'll be talking about the differences between professional learning versus professional development, Um, learning in a pandemic for adults, and learning for adults that transcends our current survival mode environment. And finally, we'll be talking about some hacks we use to adapt Firehose PD into larger but simpler sustainable change. The intention for this episode is that by the end, you'll recognize effective professional learning that works for either yourself or those that you lead. And for our listeners who are in a position to create professional learning experiences for others, uh, we hope that by the end of this episode, you will be able to ground your design in adult learning theory, as well as prepare yourselves to a capture inertia created by an amazing system of educators that have been thrust into this 2020 e-learning environment. So welcome to our episode on Firehose PD. Before we get started traversing the professional development and professional learning waters, we are going to do a a small notice and name, and that is offering an apology for the audio quality in episode two. Things were a little bit unbalanced, and that is mostly due to a set of speakers that I had plugged in that was making nasty buzzy noises. So for that, I apologize. Totally living up to your uh, imposter syndrome there, weren't you? (laughs) That's right. I spend a few minutes talking about how I have no business business podcasting and then I ruin the sound quality for everyone just to keep it real (laughs) so thanks for sticking with us yep we appreciate it listeners we will keep trying to improve as we go thank you if you were to do any any of our listeners if you were to do a quick google image search of drinking water from a fire hose you'll see some pretty intense even humorous images Um, one of the first results that came up for me was an analogy that drinking from a fire hose is a pretty bad way to get hydrated. Um, The water comes out too fast with so much pressure and intensity that it actually does more harm than actually good. We recently heard this term fire hose PD from our dear friend, an exceptional elementary coach that we work with, Suzanne Wider. When we were all kind of coming together and reflecting on our PD week at the start of the 2020 school year, and our listeners can't see it, but I used the term PD week in air quotes. And we'll talk about why that is soon. So before we really dive in uh, to talking about this concept of Firehose PD, I think it's important first that for our listeners, we share why we're qualified to speak about the subject of professional learning. So Jenny, if you could start us off by talking about um, kind of our credentials and what we're bringing to this topic. Yeah, absolutely. So For Casey and I, we are just about to finish our degrees in educational leadership. I also have a a master's degree in curriculum and instruction. Emily, your degrees are in? Um, My undergrad was in uh, English secondary education, and then my uh, master's degree is in instructional technology. And I have that same secondary education and instructional technology degree, as well as being certified as an instructional technology specialist. I also also think it's important to kind of share with our listeners our credentials when it comes to our coaching partnership and the training we have received as instructional coaches. So Emily, can you talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah, certainly. So our uh, our district wanted to ground our training in some common understandings and decided to kind of 
I guess, throw their weight behind Jim Knight's partnership principles and impact cycle. So we were trained in both levels of um, Jim Knight's Institute of, um, that I think was arranged through Northwestern University. So we are all certified uh, in our instructional coaching practice and, you know, dialoguing and communicating with adults on the coaching level through that programming. And then finally, we bring a wide array of designing professional learning experiences. We have presented at local and national conferences. And then we also consult within our district for creating district-wide professional learning and consult with various division heads and buildings. So we, we do, this is part of what we do and it's a part of what we love about our work as instructional coaches. So that leads me into that question. Then the next question is, what does that term firehose PD mean to you both? So I would just say it's it's the it's the overflow and overabundance. Like uh, you mentioned the the intensity earlier. Like when I think of getting hit in the face with a fire hose, like you're you're getting KO'd. Like you're not going to leave that professional development that is considered fire hose PD feeling good, feeling inspired, or feeling ready to do anything. You're going to leave that one feeling like you got punched in the face, and that is too much too soon and all at once is the type of training I would imagine Firehose PD to be. Yeah, and for me, I would say that any water coming out of the fire hose is not really intentionally thought through. It's just coming at you. And a lot of times that's coming at you from state mandates, or maybe it's a district initiative that it just has to get done. And there's you know some obligation to it. And so a lot of times that intentionality behind planning learning experiences for people can get lost in just the sheer amount of things coming at people. Right. And we have this, this, the metaphor of, you know, professional learning is supposed to be nourishing. It's supposed to be inspiring for teachers. And it's that water concept, right? But if it comes too fast and isn't intentionally aligned with whatever the teacher's professional learning goals are, then there's nothing useful coming out of it. There's no nourishment happening as a result of it. And so as a coaching guild, we truly pride ourselves on designing experiences that are meaningful, that are purposeful, and most importantly, useful. And I would, I would even argue that um, this is very much applicable, and especially because our expertise is within the educational setting. However, I also think that this apply that this doesn't doesn't just apply to education. If we think about all of the, the different careers that are out there, and when we think of adult learners on so many different areas of the the career spectrum, there are going to be that there is this need for how do we help people learn and in this environment so much change so many different experiences coming at people and we're adapting we're evolving on the fly and so yes this definitely applies to education especially because we can make those connections but you know on a bigger level i think that this applies to just about anybody that's evolving and adapting right now mm-hmm. yeah all in all, I would say if, if you are trying to help somebody learn, it's about the feeling that they're walking away with. Are they walking away, you know, having been knocked down or brought down by what should be, a, a, like you mentioned, Casey, a nourishing and uplifting experience? Or is it something that's actually helping them feel refreshed and feeling ready to try something new? And I think also when you internally reflect on you as a person in your own continuous growth, this also applies too. So depending on where you are in your your career or where you are, what place you're in, some people are in some really hard, heavy places right now and others might be like really inspired and energized by some of this, mm-hmm. this new stuff coming at them. So, you know, it, it, for our listeners right now, when you're thinking about where are you in your career, how are you feeling about your growth? How are you feeling about what where you want to be and what you could do and the professional learning that's coming at you is it are you getting what you need is it nourishing and is it and if it isn't what are some steps that that we could take to hopefully find the professional learning you need to be your best self i also think it's important for us to kind of talk about the difference between the terms when you talk about providing learning experiences for adults, there's kind of two terms thrown around. And I think 
you'll find with our with our guild and hopefully this extends to all of our guild member listeners out there words matter word choice truly does matter and when it comes to thinking about adult learning experiences there are two words that are two phrases that are that are typically applied the first is professional learning and then the second is professional development professional development is kind of this what what you typically will hear from an admin or from a state you know what sort of professional development are you providing for your teachers and I think there are different connotations that go along with that term professional development. Do you do either of you feel that same way? Absolutely. I'm so glad that this is this is getting into an episode here because it's it's one of those things that I felt enlightened when I decided to think about those connotations and and when you come at it from an angle of learning versus fixing and developing and and that sort of thing what what happens and what shifts and changes in your mind is uh, a lot more positive and palatable. Yeah. And, and I would even say, you know, leaning into what you said about words mattering, there's there's that even just using the word development versus learning. Learning is something that you are engaged in and you're doing for yourself. Development is something you are being shaped into, something that is done to you. So I, the way I think about that is I, I just, I always feel like, I don't know. Professional development can sort of feel like a an opportunity for people to disengage or, or sh- you know, space out a little bit because it's so one size fits all and the empowerment isn't on the them as the learner, whereas with professional learning, it absolutely is. Right. It's learning with. It's happening with you. And so I use that concept of we are providing experiences with you, not for you or to you. And it's amazing when you shift one word, how the entire vibe changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and we've seen as a result of that, that intentional visioning shift, our teachers provide such amazing feedback and appreciation for incorporating those elements of choice and all the adult learning theory concepts that we'll get to a little bit later. So next, let's talk a little bit about teachers. There's so much coming at them. They're having to juggle so much. And not to use like a religious reference here, but are teachers in a mindset where they are prepared to receive whatever professional learning experience that may be happening? Are they open enough and feeling safe and secure enough to to be that partner, to step in and, and be a partner in that professional learning experience? Yeah, and, and I think in some environments, that's easier said than done. In this environment, it's really difficult, but it's nonetheless still a reality we have to consider and something we have to prioritize if we really want transformational learning to occur. So I'm often reminded of, I know this has been kind of floating around throughout Twitter and everything, but Maslow before Bloom. For any of our listeners who maybe, not, who maybe are not familiar with that concept, Emily, do you want to try to explain that a little bit? Because I know that speaks to one of your new um, uh, professional Twitter, I'm just going to say it, stalker. I uh, love him. <laughs> so Duane Reed, a teacher for Chicago Public Schools, was the keynote at uh, our IdeaCon last year in Illinois. And this this guy is wonderful. He builds wonderful, beautiful relationships with students and just celebrates the connections between teachers and students all the time. And he used this when he was talking about kids, saying, in quote, Maslow before Bloom. We have to make sure that the the levels of physical safety and emotional safety are happening before we can expect higher level learning to be occurring in any classroom environment. And I, I just want to, you know, kind of ripple effect, expand that idea a little bit because I keep, when I keep talking about teachers and how they learn professionally, teachers need to have their their safety and their physical needs met and considered and, and know that all of that is in line before the higher level learning can happen for us. And this is really hard right now because there are plenty of people out there who don't necessarily feel like things are physically safe yet. We are still in the middle of a pandemic. Ergo, people can get stuck in logistics land and it can be harder for them to talk about deeper instructional change and 
development for themselves, not to use the development word again, but you know. (laughs) And I think it's what ties into this too, is if somebody isn't in that right state of mind to move into those, you know, synthesis, creation, sort of phases where you're combining a whole bunch of cross-curricular experiences together or moving into project-based kind of learning or service-based learning, what people are really looking for now are hacks or ways that they could try to lower that stress level, um, lower, make themselves more efficient, make classroom instruction feel less, less structure-less for students. And so if in designing professional learning experiences, you can kind of zero in on those hack kind of concepts and avoid doing massive curricular initiative overhauls during this time, you're going to wind up with a better product at the end because you're not forcing people into a taxonomy level that they just don't have the capacity for. And for people who are, or leaders who are making that choice, you are teetering a fine line between burning out those exceptional teachers or pushing them out of your system. Yeah, and I, and I also think that if we're, we think of outside the pandemic, this is something we would do prior to COVID, right? We, mm-hmm. we, you gain your following or you get people to really buy into what you're doing and your credibility when you're like, hey, I've got some quick hacks for you. Like that's your in. That's like your bread and butter um, so that when it's time to make those overhauls or when those initiatives, because they ultimately are going to have to happen and they're going to be coming through the pipeline, you have, you have establish some currency with the people that you're leading so that they know, you know, if it's going to be something that's an overhaul, they're going to give give that to me when it's appropriate. And they're also going to help me with some of these quick hacks as well. Yeah. All in all, people just need a win, you know, and I, I the, again, bringing it back to coaching, I've even said that in some of our coaching cycles, like even if you don't get into the deepest, most, most far reaching goal, the first time around in a coaching cycle. It's sometimes just because in order to gain the trust that you need for somebody to be open to deeper learning, they need to get a win, you know? So I, and and man, can you think of a time where people have needed a win more than they need it right now? You know, I, I, the, the entire world of everyone in that instruction notwithstanding, Need, needs a win. Everybody needs something good to happen. And if it is just a moment of applying a hack to your classroom and seeing better engagement from your students or seeing better, you know, ref- evidence of learning from your students based on a little tweak that you could make, excellent. Give it to people. That's what they need. And I also think, um, lastly, you know, finding ways of providing those experiences on a small scale right now versus kind of a larger scale. So whether that's, you know, 15 minute short bite-sized chunks of professional learning to try to just get people to get find an opportunity to connect with someone um, versus having large massive initiatives is going to be really, really helpful. And I think case in point, this is what we're ultimately trying to do with this podcast as well is we've seen the we've seen something in ourselves that has been working for people on a small scale and so we hope to have some ripple effect or to share out what we know and and the positive feedback that we have received and and reach others that may not be within our immediate proximity but who knows who we could be helping and so that small scale versus large scale is also kind of what we're trying to do here too is when the timing's right and when you feel like you've you're at a point where you want to share to help others embrace the learning that they might want to have i think we're, that's why we're here now trying to do something a little bit more large scale and it's all about timing um so we've talked about you know professional learning in our current reality but we also wanted to talk about professional learning that transcends where we are as a society and, and as a country and as a united world, given worldwide pandemic. Emily, what's one of the first things that you kind of think about when you step into a professional learning planning session? So I think 
maybe one of the biggest things that you can do is is to know know your learners know your know your audience they're there we've often gone gone into you know planning for professional learning series that we've created for teachers in our school by doing some surveying finding some topics that are of most interest to people talking to people seeing what type of queries or goals have been coming up in our coaching cycles like you have to have relationships with people before you expect that they're going to assume you ha you have anything worth hearing, you know. And I also think that it, it's not just about proving your own street cred. I mean, look, we tried to do that earlier, but I think most of it is about knowing what they want. It's not about you, the presenter or the facilitator. It is about them, the learners, and what they need most at this point in time. It may or may not be what the district wants them to learn or what you know the school board or the the nation wants them to learn it might just be something like we mentioned that can help them very much in the moment but you can always make connections as you go but find out what they want and find a way to weave it in well and emily i want to touch on what you just said they're finding connections as you go because especially for somebody who's in a leadership role or position who's thinking about how do i how do i reach others and help them when they have something that maybe is outside of or something that maybe you're not seeing how they fit together, the puzzle pieces between district initiatives or laws that come into play that we have to get people trained in and that sort of thing. And, and really that comes down to, and I think something that as a team we've really worked hard to do is helping align what people's needs and wants are with and connecting to those initiatives that are coming through. And that's something, Casey, I feel like I've really learned from you. Something that I, my skills have grown significantly because of the work that I've gotten to do. So I think it's important that you even, you know, how did you school me? Where did that come from? I don't even know. I don't know if that's, <laughs> if that's my like literary nerd, you know, secondary teaching experience background, but finding patterns has always been something I've always loved about, you know, literature and film and finding those those symbols, finding those themes, finding those threads that all kind of tie everything together. And I just find that if you can help name those those connections for people, it helps make the new learning more digestible. And it's just good educational theory, right? We've, we've For those of us who are in education, you know about schema, tapping into that prior knowledge and tapping into that prior experience helps people cement in new learning, right? So that, that's always just been a skill that I have had. And through our coaching conversations, I think we've gotten better at asking those sorts of questions. You know, like how is this connected to something that's part of the, the larger mission and vision of what we're trying to do? Or how is this connected with a value that we've explained? So we're actually living those things that we've committed to doing. So I think through questioning and making sure that you are making the, we've used this phrase very recently, but making the um, covert more overt mm -hmm. through that naming kind of process. And at least for and me, it didn't come naturally. It's something that in working alongside you, I saw you do consistently and saw success and saw you really reaching people and them really connecting the dots because of your facilitation that oh. it's taken practice for me but now that i'm a lot more intentional about how i'm helping people make those connections you see the bigger purpose and then you ultimately are doing your job you're doing your job not only for those teachers that you really need but you're also helping draw the connections to the the larger mission well and jumping on the casey love fest train <laughs> <laughs> Through the uh, <laughs> through the skeptic goggles, you know, you there there is a there is an adept way to handle the you know how you spin district and or you know state initiatives and how you can infuse that common vocabulary in new learning for for teachers particularly. There there's ways to do it that are heavy handed, and there are way, ways to do it that are skillful and that tie um, tie things together. I think one thing that I have picked up from you, Casey, is that you try to show teachers not just how it's connected, but also 
what they are already doing or already mm-hmm. did because that's part of giving them that win. So like, no, you already did the legwork on adapting this part of the initiative. So this is how this new learning fits into the, the process you probably already have in motion or definitely already have in motion. Like that's, I think a big thing that teachers need is I don't have to reinvent the wheel on everything. This is already connected and I'm already doing it. Right. And I know this comment is probably going to come from like a privileged kind of position being that, you know, I have that instructional coach role. But I think too, I have always felt there is a genuine feeling that what I am saying and what I'm facilitating and the connections that I'm making, I believe them. So there's this passion and energy comes that comes from this is not something I'm saying because I'm a I'm a puppet or a pawn for somebody else, but I actually believe it. So is, this isn't the snake oil salesman? No, it's not the snake oil salesman. <laughs> unless I'm just naive and just feel like I buy. But yeah. I, I truly, if I don't believe that a thread exists and I'm being told that I have to put this square peg in a round hole and force it to fit, that's where I feel a lot of stress and frustration because you are you are using that skill we have as a team to make those connections to push an agenda and that goes against what our coaching values and coaching role is supposed to do so you know it's got to come from a place of genuine it's got to just be genuine i couldn't agree more because because anybody is going to sniff that out right away oh, yeah. if it is not genuine. Because, you could, yeah, you can make connections, but if you can't, if you don't have, and it goes back to those relationships and asking what they need and mm-hmm. having that as the, the crux of the your purpose, then they're going to sniff you out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yep. Everybody knows that disingenuous fake presenter you know that's not what that's not the person you want to listen to and that's the person that gets tuned out the second they they get to their second slide pretty much you know um i know we've talked about you know making things relevant for for staff meeting them where they are but i think this also means that you have to empower choice you have to provide multiple avenues for people to get what they need because their needs are going to be so different and we as a team have, you know, taken pieces of that upon ourselves, but you are going to, as a professional learning designer, you're going to need the help of kind of your multiplier teachers in your system to also, you know, step in to provide additional opportunities for choice. So that's super important as well and ties into that. You hear so much this. I'm so <laughs> I just, I'm right, right, you feel this one in your guts because this is, we we talk so much about choice and differentiation and offering it to our students. And when you think about it, the, the, the gamut of skill and experience in professionals, we've got people who are first year teachers, we've got people who have been teachers for 30 years. It's going to run a huge diverse gamut and you need to be able to meet any learner with where they're at. And the only way to do that is to give them some structure, but also some some choice within those structures to figure out where they're going to start or how they're going to learn or what process they're going to engage in. We we all say we're going to be you know doing this for kids, but are we doing it for our adults too? We try to, but I don't know if everybody is. Yep. And actually, Emily, I'm glad you got me on that one because you said it way, but I was about to say the same thing because we apply these principles to good teaching of our students and having the, it, it requires more work because it's 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 differentiation at its core. When you're teaching a classroom full of students, if you're you're offering it the same way and only one way, you can't reach all of your diverse learners needs. The same is applied and I would even argue more so with adults because they can sniff you out that you really need that choice embedded and it's going to take you a little bit more effort to provide different pathways or different opportunities and honestly like if i'm gonna just one of the last professional learning things offered had to attend i think what turned me off so it wasn't something we were able to design but we were participants in that turned me off and triggered me was it was almost like insulting it's one size fits all here's a powerpoint let me talk at you instead of honoring the expertise in the room 
I, yeah, I, clearly we got all fired up about this one. <laughs> well, well, it's a really it's a it's a deep issue, and you know, to that I would challenge any of our listeners who are leaders or designers of professional learning, also this learn to trust adults learn Mm -hmm. to trust your adult learners yes there might be one or two folks who will take choice and uh time to work independently or work in groups or you know time that is not completely top-down structured to do something that might not be related to that professional learning but not a lot of people are going to do that most people when they see that you are giving them trust in their expertise and trust in their ethics, trust that they will engage in the process that they're being asked to engage to, our teachers are professionals. They're going to do it. Almost everybody is going to do it. So I would challenge people to trust your adult learners and verbally, vocally, and demonstrate it through action in how you design things. Demonstrate that trust in what you make for people to learn from. And I know we have another thing to go on to, but lastly on that one, Emily, what you just said, I know we can't even get off it. No. (laughs) (laughs) So what you said is like demonstrate with action so much. You know, I hear leaders often say like, I I told them that. Why aren't they believing me? I said that. I value their opinion. I value their expertise. That's because you're saying a lot of words, but possibly not backing them up with your actions of how how you are at delivering whatever it is you might there's one thing there's delivering the message and then actually actioning it is that a word being that <laughs> being that model like yeah. tying it back to the learning you know like we are taught that students need models in order to achieve a specific expectation the same is true for our adults maybe not in the same way but through your actions you serve as a model and then you name it when you're doing it and align it to back to that value, those values and that mission that you have. Peers can be models for other peers. So I mentioned a second ago, one of the strategies that we use is we ask our staff who have things to share, who feel like they have something to make somebody, another teacher that they work with, their work life more manageable, or it made a significant impact for a student or a series of students. We seek their their experiences because they're boots on the ground and teachers love that. They love swiping strategies from each other because they, they have that model that this has worked. And then something else that I do often and my teachers love in my building is when I fail <laughs> and then it's able to roll right off. I handle it gracefully and just say it's part of my learning process and I'll dust myself off and be better, better the next time. Are you sure you don't see. spiral in the background? <laughs> I spiral, spiral a little bit afterwards, afterwards but in yeah. that moment. Yeah, in the moment. In that, <laughs> in that moment, I am like, it is what it is. Yep. I failed and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do the imposter syndrome later, like yep. should I have actually been there in the first place? <laughs> but in that moment, cool, as, as cool as I can be and and demonstrating that even through failure can we fail gracefully. And then lastly, sorry, last little thing, and this is something that we pride ourselves on, and I will own this. I'm really good at this for some reason, probably because the lit nerd in me. Having themes and metaphors, they're corny, but they ground and make that learning sticky. So one of my favorites that we've done in the past is we had a series of professional workshop that was all aligned to songs by the artist Queen. Like, it was so much fun to integrate the music, to integrate the song lyrics, the song, and and it, that just having that theme was able to energize people and help those who attended that session really get something sticky out of it so not only that but like make it a little bit playful everything is so serious and so heavy i think we get so into these metaphors and cheese be damned we're gonna keep doing it uh we're we get so into these metaphors because it's fun people you yes you're coming to learn about something that's going to improve you as a professional but if you get to talk about you know, Schitt's Creek or Queen or something that's awesome at the same time that's going to make it a little more fun. Or a fire is. hose like we're doing right now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. Which absolutely. speaking of, speaking of, so our kind of last segment before we play our game 
is this was I have to give credit to our super awesome wordsmith genius Emily she kind of came up with the name for and the concept of our last segment so we've talked about fire hose PD but we've got some hacks for you Emily you want to kind of actually do the intro to this segment yeah so we're looking at a number of hacks five hacks that turn the fire hose into the garden hose because if you drink from the fire hose we've already established KO you're down for the count but if you you're lying if you've never drank from the garden hose. Everybody has done it. <laughs> My kids do it all the time. If I put the sprinkler on, they're drinking from that thing. So people actually want to drink from the garden hose sometimes, and that's not going to knock you out. It'll be refreshing. It'll be fun. It'll feel a little bit different. So let's share some hacks on how to make that fire hose, streamline it down into just a normal garden hose. Yeah. The first one that we need to talk about is norms. We've had a conversation in the past <laughs> that one of us is most skilled at delivering and sharing what the norms are for a particular PD session. Jenny, do you want to talk a little bit about sure, this? Sure, I'd be happy to. And I am not that one. So norms are one of those awkward, like you hear about like it's a good thing to establish norms and make sure you have your expectations on the onset. We always have this as a part. We try and do almost like a give and take. I do or we'll do this. If you do this, meet us halfway. You know, it's one of those we'll start and end on time. We're going to make sure you have work time. If you would make sure to be present and that you would be able to, to invest in yourself today when we're all together. So all these norms. But of course, like I always feel like I'm putting people people out. So I, I I bombed when I tried to do this section on our professional learning. But my dear, dear friend, Emily, you are the norm queen. I don't know what you do, but you know how to say it where it's, it, it comes across rather than saying just that dry, please do this, please do this. And it, it's a little bit more digestible. Well, and you hold people to it. Like we were in <laughs> and she's like, you know, we really did ask that you really focus on yourself during this time. Like, without it being a naughty, naughty teacher, we're treating you like a child. Like, you are able to expertly weave and recenter somebody towards that norm without, you know, doing the, the naughty teacher slap. I would never. It's uh, it, and that's my that's my skeptic hat. I I try to think of this from okay. I'm sitting here and nobody wants to be told these are the ground rules for our training together. I am no adult wants grown that. ass woman. I don't <laughs> want to hear it. You know, I I what I want to hear is there is a sense of give and take here. We as presenters are bringing something to the table, and as facilitators are bringing something to the table, you as teachers are bringing something to the table. We will do this. If you will do this, and this training will give us all something that we need, and we're here to learn together. And if you frame it that way, people are more receptive to hearing the norms. And for whatever reason, I just, I've got the spin on that. So I'm just going to be the keeper of the norm slide forever until the end of time. And the gut check for me is like, I, I oftentimes like, do we really need it? But when we don't have them, you notice it. So yeah, I mean, there's a reason why they're there. And that's why it's a hack. It's it's worth the investment of a few seconds once you learn how to deliver it correctly. And thankfully, I have Emily on my side to do that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> What's the next one? Uh, next hack is to streamline to actual need. Like what do teachers actually need right now in order to be either and it's picking a focus, right? You can't, if you focus on all the things and make all the things a priority, nothing is a priority. Thanks, Pete the Cat. Um, <laughs> you know, like, so picking what do we actually need to focus on right now based on what our teachers are telling us that they need. Yeah, and I think we touched on that a little bit already, especially because, you know, you're making those connections, but knowing what your teachers need is going to give you a good bang for your buck. Um, next up we have is building off of the collective intelligence. And when we as a guild were talking about how to kind of bring this up, it, it's so important. I mean, it ties back to that Ben Franklin quote that you heard in the intro, right? It's involving people in the learning, encouraging them and finding opportunities so they can be actively engaged in the learning is what's going to really cement that in and lead to more likely lead to that transformational change. And adult learners, when you think of adult learning theory, there is that power of self-concept and drawing on your past experiences. So as soon as you're tapping into that collective intelligence, you're tapping into those adult learning theory principles that say this works. 
And, you know, elephant in the room, because I am this type of person, when I pick my seat in a professional learning, I don't want to move. <laughs> like, I don't. I don't either. But either. I mean, we just make people do it. Why is that? <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's the thing that makes us the most uncomfortable because it does push us out of our comfort zone. But at the same time, it really does. It's one of those those learning practices that you have to find a way to integrate, but also be respectful of your adult learners and what their needs are. So you provide the opportunity. And if someone's not doing it, you don't go over and wag your finger at them. And, you know, it, that's their choice. And, and I know, like, some people might be listening and saying, like, oh, no one does that to an adult. You'd be surprised. I have seen mm-hmm. it firsthand happen. Yep. And it's it's just, a, that's how you're going to get people turned off right away. And they're going to, you've already lost them. Yep. Um, Emily, do you want to give us the next hack? Totally. Uh, the next one is to give people actual time to work. If we are talking about trying to give people their their hacks and to have something be immediately ac- applicable, but if we just dump thing after thing on teachers without giving them a time to shape it to their own curriculum, their own upcoming lessons and units, then it's not going to be immediately usable. It's going to be another thing on the to-do list. So if you carve out that time, integrated into the professional learning, that's what's going to give teachers that opportunity to infuse their upcoming instruction with the new learning. But you have to give them that gift of time to apply. And that's always hard for us, but we know it's true and it's important, but we always have way more content than we have time for. And we've got to prioritize them ahead of our stuff. Like we always say at this time, we have to stop. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always that moment or that, you know, of course, the morning of the PD, we're like, oh, my God, we didn't put the benchmark times mm-hmm. in. So we know that if we reach a certain time, we have to start throwing stuff out, not because it's not appropriate, but because we have we have made that commitment to mm-hmm. those teachers that they will have actual time to really not only work on it, but have a think partner in us there to help work through and think through and really tease out what those details are going to look like uh, for their learners, the people we're really hoping to make an impact for. That's the other reason we got ourselves a podcast, so we can be as wordy as we actually are without having to work time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the last one is that, you know, we, we... sort of mentioned this already but don't take it too seriously throw a bitmoji on there and you will be surprised how happy it's gonna make somebody feel or find a theme to make it goofy and let your nerd flag fly too because it's Mm -hmm. that's what's going to reinvigorate you and bring out your passion as a facilitator and provider of professional learning and i think any episode that in one way, shape, or form for us that's going to focus on professional learning, there's always going to be that question about what about those people who disengage? What about those people who just want to ride that complaint train and no matter what topics you choose or what structure you choose, they're just going to want to ride that complaint train and not want to do a darn thing. What advice do we have for our listeners? Well, first of all, like you hear about, you're already in trouble if you're using the words "those people." <laughs> so, I mean, it's not that it that it doesn't exist or that people like that aren't out there, but is you know, if you shift your mindset and you shift the way you're thinking about, and we we did touch on the differentiation being just as important with professional learning and adult learners. This this is one of those times where you provide those opportunities that are varied so that when those, and here I'm doing air quotes, those people are there, there's still opportunity for your other learners that are really present. And you focus on the positive, you focus on the people that are, and they're, they far outweigh those mm-hmm. people. I would also say you want to make sure that you're you're scaffolding that learning, and and that's where that choice is so essential. Because I, I do think that if you're providing the right types of choices and enough choice and flexibility in the on the teacher end and in the teacher experience, even somebody who kind of came in with you know a chip on their shoulder or just with a natural tendency to be disengaged as a learner, like yours truly, uh, I think <laughs> you. 
you're going to get them somewhere with something if there are enough choices, mm-hmm. enough options, and if you're really scaffolding it to their needs. One learner might be bored because they already know this stuff. Another learner might be disengaged because they're overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. But we're really trying to think of all of those things when we plan learner learning experiences for teachers. If your feedback and engagement was in large part pretty positive, don't internalize that as I lost somebody. Sometimes there is just a bad day for somebody to learn. It's not that they're a bad learner. They're just having a bad day. And like we mentioned, we're at a weird moment in time. There's going to be some of that. Don't let that hit you in the heart. Keep trying to plan things of quality that offer that choice and all those adult learning theory aligned practices that are going to help people. But bad days happen. Yep. All right. Last segment, our game, our most likely to. Today's episodes, most likely to's are all centered around professional learning. So most likely to walk out of multiple sessions in one day. Casey. (laughs) Casey, Casey, Casey. Okay, I've seen it. But can can I explain why? Can I explain why? It is not that I am walking out because I don't like what I'm hearing or I think I have nothing to learn. I am walking out because someone puts their slide deck right at the very top of the slideshow. So I have the resources right there and I peruse them and say, this is good, this is good, swipe, swipe, swipe. And then I'm able to go somewhere else yes. and get FOMO. your love else. It's your love for learning. <laughs> it's you have curation. FOMO. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. So for anyone who facilitates professional learning out there, like if you want to keep those butts in seats and you don't give your stuff out at the very beginning, give it out at the end because sharing is important. <laughs> but you're, you've got like PD hoarders like me that I just want to take all the things. And she does. And I've seen and it happen. I do. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not like I'm walking out because I am not getting something. I mean, that happens sometimes. But more often than not is, cool, I got your stuff. I'm going to now bounce to someplace else to see mm-hmm. what I can grab. So it's more of just like giggling all hopper. the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. What's next? All right. So our next one is which of us is most likely to actually enjoy fire hose PD? You like the stuff Casey. you yeah. We already talked about Love you jumping learning. from session to session. Like you're trying to get as much as you can max bang for bucks. So mm-hmm. point that fire hose right at her face. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the garden hose. Thank you. Same. Yeah. I, I think I just thrive in that environment where like I I of course need a think partner to help me kind of pull it all and tease it all out but I'd rather grab all the things and when the dirty water is surrounding me find the the great clear pockets out of it you know what stuff rises to the surface who is most likely to come up with a clutch idea in the 11th hour Emily Emily for sure her best work (laughs) is literally like (laughs) five minutes before go time <laughs> or or in the hours of four to 5 a.m when she's that got is. her insomnia moment insomnia caffeine hour it's max procrastination awesomeness <laughs> who's most likely to end up best friends forever with a presenter this i think is the hardest one because i i can't claim this one because i get like there are some people even in our local area that i like totally fangirl over and i still get quiet and Oh my god. Nervous. Oh my god, it's Kim Darche over there. Oh my god, I just think she's amazing and probably creep her out. So that is not definitely not me. I Jenny, I think it's you. I, I also get a little bit nervous around folks who have just presented something. Also, I just don't know where their headspace is after they've finished, but like I'm thinking of you and your professional hall pass. You're the only one who has an actual relationship with yours. Whereas Casey <laughs> I and I are just while. stalking. So, you know. There's been actual like person to person communication, although Jane Kesey tweeted me once and I was super psyched. But yeah, uh, yeah, we're less likely to have that friendship be mutual. Than All right, you are, I'll I think that. But my favorite is this last one. <laughs> End up virtually stalking a keynote oh, presenter. Man. Who isn't guilty of this? I know. I think this is all of us. We all have our people that we just obsess over. And I think yeah. that's all of us. You guys already said I'm a creep about Dwayne Reed. So <laughs> I, <is> it me? <laughs> it's me. I'm the creep. <laughs> but I think if you have a love, right, for professional learning, and if you hear someone who's just as, just as passionate about it, and 
love it just as much as you do, like you instantly just want to take everything that they have to offer and share. So to me, if it's where your passion is, you're automatically going to feel some sort of desire to continually see what that person has yet to has Jokes about offer. creeping aside, all it's going to be is a lot of Twitter likes and whatever you said is going to instantly end up in my own repertoire. That's what it's right. going to be. So our takeaways from today's learning is that where professional learning is concerned, we need to be considering on an ongoing basis how we turn that fire hose into that garden hose by making things more palatable for our teachers. We do that by grounding things in choice, by considering our learners' emotional needs, by modeling things and using models that are important and using those little hacks to try to help people get what they need out of the professional learning that we're offering. And now a taste of what's to come in upcoming Grounded Learners Guild meetings. Our next one, we're going to be talking about dirty words and unpopular opinions, which is one of my favorite topics. We're going to be talking about some of the things that people hate to talk about or hear in education and talk about how our experiences have colored that and maybe talk about a way to translate some of those dirty words and unpopular opinions to make them work in the world that we're working with today. The next one is going to be on make it work mindset. It's going to be on taking ideas and having people implement those ideas ASAP at whatever costs, just smash that right through and put it across the goal line regardless to what it's costing people. I think that there's a lot we can say about that and we're going to be doing a deep dive on make it work mindset. That's a wrap on today's episode. It's our sincerest hope to advocate for adult learners and we aim to contribute to this community with genuine conversations about education, leadership, and topics that matter to you. If you'd like to connect, you can find us on our website at thegroundedlearnersguild.com. Follow us on Twitter at cvcher, at techcoachm, and at Jenny Labrie. We believe in the power of feedback. It helps us continue to grow and allows us to bring you quality content. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Thanks again for joining us, Casey, Emily, and Jenny, in today's episode of the Grounded Learners Guild. See you at the next Guild meeting. And in the meantime, do your best to stay grounded.